The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. In today's message, Elder Buddy Abernathy continues his study in the book of Revelation. We are in the third chapter, dealing with the church at Sardis. Brother Buddy begins today looking at the problem that this church faced in that it had a reputation of being alive, but God said in reality it was dead. What a sorry state of affairs for a church to be in. But I'm afraid that that's a problem for many churches today, and it can be a problem for us and our church if we're not careful. Join us as Brother Buddy begins to look at this very important issue. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
read to you tonight from the book of Revelation chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest, and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. This is an interesting description of a church. The Lord says, Thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Now, the first thing we need to understand is the word livest and dead is not referring to physical life or physical death. It's not even referring to spiritual life in the sense that Paul said in Ephesians 2.1, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. But rather he's speaking here of vitality. He says, You have a name that thou livest. Now generally, in order to have a name, in order to have a reputation, in order to be thought about in a certain way, usually that would indicate that there was a time that that was truly the case. And I believe that's what he's talking about here. Thou hast a name that thou livest, but he says, and art dead. And then down in verse 3, he says, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. So in order to get the lesson here and to see if it applies to us today and more particularly our local church, we need to explore the consideration, what does it mean to say that we are dead as a church. That doesn't sound good, does it? To be a dead church. Especially if at one time you were considered to be a lively church. What a contrast. What a difference. Thou hast a name that thou livest. And Perhaps the church thinks they're still alive. They're doing okay. But obviously that's not the case. Thou hast a name that thou livest and are dead. So if we're to get the lesson from this, we need to be able to analyze exactly what this means. To say that a church is alive in contrast to a church that is dead, what's that mean? How do you identify a church like that? And the reason that's important is because he says in verse 3, remember. 
Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. In other words, once we understand what's under consideration and how we can identify a living church, once we can picture that in our minds, hopefully we'll not see that we're a dead church, but at least we'll know how to be on guard against this. He says, you need to remember how you received and heard. So here's the point. We need to understand and recognize the characteristics of a living church. And the beginning of that has to do with remembering how you received and heard the gospel. Remember its initial impact in your life. That's the start of a living church. A church is a group, a, a, a church is a body made up of individual members. So, in whatever sense the gospel impacted you as an individual member of the church and served as a springboard to being a living church then we need to see how it was. We need to remember how it was when he first understood the gospel. And we have a good illustration of this with the church at Thessalonica. Now, I haven't searched this out myself, but you can reason from the scriptures that Paul may have only spent about three weeks in Thessalonica. Now that's only enough time, really, to preach the fundamentals of the gospel. That's really only enough time to preach that Jesus Christ loved his people in Christ before the world began. And Paul will even use the term election in these verses we're going to read. And though you're a great sinner and unworthy of the least of his blessings, yet Jesus came to save his people from their sins, and that's what he did. And if you see yourself as a great sinner, that message will mean a lot to you because it serves as the answer to your problems. So let's notice how Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica after he had been among them. And this will relate to how we ought to be a living church. And this will illustrate what's under consideration when Jesus said, remember how you received and heard. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Now, he's going to proceed from this verse and say, Here's how I know that you're children of God. Now, some people are uncomfortable with the word election, but that just means God loved an innumerable multitude of people in Christ before the world began and Jesus came to save them and that's what he did. It's really a very positive thing. It's not exclusive, it's inclusive. 
It includes the Lord's people no matter where they are, no matter what their circumstances are, whether they've ever read the Bible, whether they've ever heard the name of Jesus. He has an elect people. And Paul says, the reason I know that you're God's elect is because our gospel came not unto you in word only. Anybody can hear it in word only. You don't even need spiritual life to hear it in word only. Anybody can listen to preaching and receive it as just a lecture or some man's philosophy or idea. Paul said, I know you're God's elect people because you didn't receive it that way. He said, our gospel came not in you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. Now this is describing the experience of someone that has been convicted by the truth of the gospel. Notice the words he uses here. He says it didn't come in word only, but it came in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. Doesn't it give you assurance? Or let's say it this way, didn't it give you assurance? When you were going through that season in your experience where you felt like you were the worst sinner there was, that you just couldn't do anything right, and you felt like there's no way I can live good enough to make things right with God. Maybe someone's told you if you want to go to heaven, you've got to meet a certain standard and you feel like there's no hope for me if that's the way it is and you remember when the gospel came and you heard the message that he hath saved us and called us with an holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ before the world began isn't that what really gets to your case. It's not according to works. That's not what it's according to. It's according to the fact that He saved us. He alone did it. He purged your sins. He saved you. He called you. That is, He sent His Spirit into your heart. He saved us. He called us. And it's with a holy calling. And it's according to His purpose. You were saved on purpose. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't because the circumstances were just happened to be right. You were saved on purpose. Oh, that comforts someone that feels as if they have no sense of security as far as their standing with God is concerned. And that's what he's talking about here when he came, the gospel came in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Remember how you received and heard. Because that's what propelled you to be a living church. Notice how it propelled the church here at Thessalonica. Verse 6. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction 
with joy of the Holy Ghost. What a paradox. Have you ever experienced that? A lot of us talked about how the Lord blessed Elder Ivy last Sunday night. You know, I wasn't sitting there rejoicing in how great I was and how confident I was and how much self-esteem I had. I received an affliction. In other words, that's convicting. That, that lets me know that in and of myself, I'm insignificant. But they received it in affliction, but with joy of the Holy Ghost. In other words, they're crying and rejoicing at the same time. And you only experience that when, you are, when you're one of those that the Lord has showed you you're a sinner. He showed you you're worthless. He showed you you're unworthy. And yet, nonetheless, He informs you that Jesus loved you and saved you. That's the gospel received in, in much affliction, but with joy in the Holy Ghost. And He says, so that you are in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. In other words, this is the general region in which Thessalonica was located. He said, you were so affected by what you received and heard that you became in samples. You, you became one that other believers could imitate once they were converted. What a sad state it is if someone believes the gospel and are baptized and their fellow brothers and sisters in the church do not serve as a good example for how they should live. Paul said you were in samples not only uh, within the church body but to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. In other words, they were so affected by this gospel that it, it, it went beyond their local church. And he goes on to say, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not in Macedonia and Achaia, uh, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Here's a preacher that says, I don't even have to say anything. <laughs> wow. He's saying, I don't really need to do anything because the Word of God's sounding out from you. That doesn't mean that they're preaching. That means they're spreading the Word. Their, their life is full of zeal and enthusiasm and they're, they're spiritual-minded people. And he says, uh, that we, we don't, he says uh, from you sounded out the Word of the Lord in every place your faith to God or it is spread abroad. In other words, this was getting out all over the place. You know, I was, I think I was telling Brother Chris this story the other day. There was this church that was building a new building, and they were having a meeting with the man that was over the construction. And he noticed how much love they had for each other. And he said, this just happened to be in Cincinnati. And he said, this is the best kept secret in Cincinnati. Well, that's a compliment. 
But it doesn't need to remain a secret, does it? I mean, you know, when, when we had our meeting uh, recently and we had a full house and the Lord so blessed the singing, several people said with surprise, I've never heard singing like that before. I hope they think that of the preaching too. And I'm glad they came in and were pleasantly surprised and were unaware of it. But notice here, it was just spread abroad. I want people to come in and say, wow, I didn't know about this. This is great, but I don't want it to be kept hid. I want them to say, I'm here because somebody told me how great the singing was and how much the Spirit was in the preaching and how clearly God's Word was proclaimed. And the preachers weren't just telling simple stories. They were actually taking the Word of God and expounding upon it. He says, verse 9, For they themselves, that is, those to whom the Thessalonian, Thessal, those to whom the Thessalonians had spread the word to, they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now here he's not talking about the people that are members of the church there in Thessalonica. He's talking about the people that, that they had influence on and evidently the people they had influence on that Paul didn't even preach to, probably hasn't ever even been with them. He said, uh, uh, they showed how ye turned to God from idols. In other words, they turned from God, they turned from idols to God too. To serve the living and true God, in contrast to one of these many idols. You know, God's people love idols. And we've got plenty of them today. They're just not little statues set up somewhere. We've got plenty of idols, things we give allegiance to above the Lord. You know, in, the, in Mars Hill... They even had an idol to the unknown God. In other words, we want to make sure we don't offend any of the gods. And if there's one we've left off, we want to make sure he has an idol that he can see as being erected to him. This is to the unknown God. But Paul came in and said, that's the one I'm going to preach to you about. The one you don't know about. The one unknown God. And he began preaching about creation. And then he built on that. But notice here, I want you to see this full point. They themselves, those to whom you spread the message to, showed of us, Paul says, these people you spread the word to, their behavior showed how our preaching affected you. What manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son, Jesus, from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Jesus did not make you deliverable. 
Jesus delivered you from the wrath to come. He delivered you as a result of what He did. He, he that knew no sin became sin for you that you might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And you were made the righteousness of God in Him. And notice He says here that we're to serve God while we're waiting for His Son from heaven. You know, when I preached this morning, I went over multiple verses where Paul didn't say a thing about all these in-between dispensations that are to transpire between now and when we ultimately go to heaven. Paul didn't know a thing about it. He just wasn't as educated as some of those are today. Like he says here, he says to the first century church, he says, I want you to serve uh, the true God and to wait for His Son Jesus. Now that started out in Acts chapter 1. Here's where it all began as far as the perspective the church ought to have. In Acts chapter 1, verse 9, it says, When He had spoken these things, while they beheld, He was taken up, and a cloud received Him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as He went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. That's not complicated, is it? He went into heaven. Keep looking. He's coming back. And when he comes back, it's to take you home. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.